Much of our world is about that fairy tale ending. And while that's cute and all, real love is way more complicated. Yes, it's imperfect, but beautiful, and worth more than some fairy tale. This is the Project Real Love Podcast, where myths are dispelled and you are equipped to find that imperfect but perfect love. Here's your host, Pink Girl Teaches. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Project Real Love Podcast. I'm so glad that you decided to join me again. Today, I am not by myself. I have a guest and I'm very excited to have him. You know, I always enjoy having a male perspective on the show. Tonight, I have Mr. Cole Johnson. Welcome, Mr. Johnson. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you inviting me on your platform. Oh, I appreciate you. And I thank you so much for just even accepting the invitation. I enjoy getting a male's perspective. And tonight, we are going to be talking about divorce how to get over divorce. Mm-hmm. So I take it you have some experience in that area. Uh, well, um, some, yes. <laughs> yeah, I do have some uh, some experience in it, definitely. Uh, well, uh, it's a few years ago. I thought everything was fine in the marriage and I was in, and I had dinner with, uh, with my now ex-wife and We were married and everything was fine and she renewed that everything was going to be good and that, and that uh, our marriage was stronger than ever. And then 36 hours later, the journey to divorce started. And it really hit me like a ton of bricks. Or should should I say a whole host of things (laughs) in like a month or five or six week span hit me like a ton of bricks. And I went from a person who was feeling renewed about, you know, recapturing what my marriage I thought was supposed to be to having to really deal with my own self again. And not only deal with my own self, but also learn how to deal with myself in terms of actually having someone on this earth say, I tried loving you, but uh, you're unlovable to me. That's not a pleasant thing to hear, to accept, to understand, or to even contemplate. Yet, that was me, and and off on the journey I went to try to lick all the wounds from head to toe, inward and outward, in this wonderful journey we call divorce. Divorce is such a journey. Um, You said you went from everything being okay in one moment to 36 hours later, you were on the road to divorce. That's a bit extreme. Yeah. Like, were there any signs prior to that? Well, yeah, there were some signs, but it weren't, it, it wasn't signs of I'm leaving you or I want to leave you. It was more along the lines of, you know, well, every, every couple has arguments. Uh, every couple has disagreements. Uh, it, <laughs> the next couple that I meet, that says, yeah, everything is harmonious and we get along just fine all the time, we'll be the first. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, those types of science, it was there, but we, well, from what I could ascertain, we were committed. We were joined at the hip. We were going to be, you know, one with one another. But 
even with some of the signs I saw, it still did not prepare me for life being in solitude and dealing with hurt, sorrow, death, grief, and, and this overwhelming pall of depression all at the same time. Oh, wow. Divorce is difficult. There is no, there's no sugarcoating it. It's very hard. For me, I think what made it so hard is, you know, you just said the word death and that's how I felt. I felt like this was a death of my dreams. It was a death of a life that I thought I was going to have. It was a death of hope. And when I realized while we were still married, still sleeping in the same bed, still in the same home, that you got to let go because I was fighting so hard to keep this marriage, but you can never fight by yourself. Two people have to be in the ring. Mm. And so I, for me, I started grieving that very night when I just came to the realization that it's over. What was the grief process like? Let's see, what was it like? Uh, arduous, <laughs> long nights, uh, long days too. I, I had insomnia. I didn't eat much. I was cantankerous. I you know, just couldn't be, I was inconsolable. It, it was, I was so angry and I didn't realize that I was so bitter about my ex-wife, about life, about the fact that, like you said, I was witnessing the death of my hopes, my dreams, my aspirations, my life. And I would replay the vows that you always say in front of family and friends. When you say, when you hear the, the preacher say to you, uh, do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife uh, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, till death do you part? And I remember replaying that particular vow over and over and over in my head, wishing that I was dead. And it was just painful. Uh, just, just going into the depths of me was extremely painful. But unfortunately, and fortunately, I had to go there. I had to go there. You said fortunately. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I say fortunately is because if I did not go to those depths, I'd still be bitter. I would still call my ex-wife out of her name. I would probably still look at every woman that I see thinking that she is like my ex-wife and just unfairly paintbrush every single woman like that. So I wouldn't even have the respect of women in general. I would, I would carry a misogynistic tone to me and, 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 and feel to me because of this one woman who I would deem killing my dream. And a reason why I say I had to fortunately go into those depths is because I had to unearth all of that gunk that was buried inside of me. I had to get rid of that. And I had to have that, that you know, I had to have those moments where I looked in the mirror and say, well, what is the common denominator in all of this? And when I finally was strong and brave and 
Well, honest enough to say me, that's when all of the bitterness started to fall. But I had to go there. Otherwise, I'd be carrying so much bitterness probably to this day. And it would be unfair to every person who would come around or near me. That's one of those come to Jesus moments. It's the aha moment. And I think, you know, we have to have that. And really, it feels like you hit rock bottom because that's when you're at your most vulnerable, your weakest, your most depressed. Mm-hmm. At least that's how it was for me. But it was, it was the foundation that I needed because mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine going lower than that so you know i think it's a good place to start building to go forward but as a man going through divorce we don't hear much about the male perspective or the male um and um you know the advantage or just what you're feeling and what you're thinking what kind of support system did you surround yourself by or did you even have anyone to talk about this with well the the only uh, I guess I guess you could say the only consistent support system I had was my father because he went through a divorce himself before he married my mother and they conceived me. So he told me a lot of what he went through and a lot of what he endured was, well, was what I endured too. And that was a, that was a help. But I did not really have much in the way of other people as resources. But people were resources to me, but it wasn't from the standpoint of like therapy. Although I do not eschew therapy, I do not down therapy. If you need it, go, no question. I was blessed enough to not need it. And what I found was, well, if I can be around energy that's positive and be around people that was, pos- that was, that was positive, it really made me look at life differently. And I actually looked to different people, different resources, different ways of life, different philosophies of life, uh, even even philosophies that just were totally different than from my own. Now, ultimately, the answer is God, no question about that. But in the midst of all of that and, and trying to dig my way into what it was that makes me tick, I had to find other ways and other means to subsist and survive and then find ways to thrive. And it was really, I would have to say, like I said, outside of God, Jesus, I would have to say it was just the positive energy of people and just spending time with people, just spending time with people. And it made me realize, wow, okay, well, life isn't so horrible. I actually can, I actually can live a life. I actually can exist I actually can uh, lift my head up and wake up and, and go on my day. I can actually do this. And I I can actually have a social life. Now that took years, but, (laughs) but uh, it, the going through that process of knowing that I actually have that, that wherewithal to find that type of positive energy really, really helped. Well, I'm glad that you had that in place. Now, I know you have a podcast that is dedicated to helping people get over the pain of divorce. Um, What are some of the challenges you think that other people or other divorcees or those who are in the process experience 
or may run into that blindsides them? I think one of the things that, that definitely is like a roadblock for divorcees or divorcees to be uh, would be when you have, and this sounds extremely callous when I say it in this vein, but property. And unfortunately, children are included in property because people don't like to have their egos shattered. And it all of a sudden becomes like an arms race. Like, you know, that's my child. That's my house. That's my car. You know, those are my clothes. And it, it becomes this narrowing of a materialistic viewpoint of life. Whereas you just throw away the emotional aspect of life of, wow, I hurt this person. And my actions are not only hurting this person, but if I have children, it's hurting my children too. The people that I profess to love the most, I'm hurting the most. That aspect isn't addressed normally with someone who's going through divorce. It's like, I'm going to get her, or I'm going to get him, or I'm going to show him, or I'm going to show her. She's not going to get the better of me, or he's not going to get the better of me. It just becomes this ego stroke. And and because the ego is bruised, you want to get back with the ego and you realize if you really, like I said earlier, if you really have your come to Jesus moment, and that was a wonderful phrase that you said, if when you have your come to Jesus moment, you really understand, wow, okay, it's more than that. It's bigger than that. And really, it's not about the, it's not about the stuff. And I shouldn't reduce my children to stuff. But you see a lot of divorcees do that. And when you get out of yourself, that is when the growth begins. But you see a lot of divorcees stuck in themselves and blame others and not themselves. Ooh. <laughs> That's such a key point. You know, we have to get to the point where we are able to be accountable for what we do. And I'm, that's one thing that I'm glad I experienced pretty early because so much happened within my marriage where really I could have just sat back and said, it's all his fault. But mm -hmm. if we're going to be honest and if we really want to heal, you've got to, you've got to accept your own heart. You've got to be responsible for what you did. And when that hit me, I was like, wait, you know, that's a lie because I was a perfect wife. That, that is a lie in itself. There is no such thing as a perfect wife. I may have been a good wife based on what I knew, or what I was taught, or what I saw growing up, and based on the woman that I wanted to be. I may have been, you know, but right. that doesn't mean I didn't contribute to the marriage failing. I had to be responsible for my part. Sometimes your part is as simple as you should never have been in that relationship in the first place. You overstayed in that relationship. You didn't respect your own boundaries. You lost yourself trying to please somebody else. You know, there's so many different ways that we can actually claim our own accountability. But once we do that, we open the door for our healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you do. And in the first part of my process, I was all about, you did this. <laughs> this is all your fault. I was all about that. I, I didn't want to hear, 
and I, and I should say when I when I say here, I, I mean I didn't want to digest. I, I literally heard my ex-wife say that I did these things that were wrong to her, but I just did not want to accept it. But when I finally accepted it, that's when that's when the light bulb switched. I was like, okay, well, yeah, you know what? These things that she did, she did them. I can't be accountable for that because I didn't do that. I, I can only be accountable for what I did. Mm-hmm. And I can stay in my feelings and say that, you know, she robbed me of this and she wronged me of this, but no, no, I wronged her. And man, it, it's like tasting dirt in your mouth when you first say it. But I did, I wronged my ex-wife. Now, would I say that I wronged her in cheating? No, I, I never participated in that. And I still have never cheated on any woman I've dated or women I've married. But like you said, it doesn't have to be something as grandiose as that. It could be just something as simple as I stayed too long or I chose the wrong person or I was this way once and then I switched and I became another way and I was unaware that I switched when you can actually be honest with yourself and say these things that is like we said that's when that's when you can be right not necessarily for someone else yet but that's when you can be right for yourself and probably right for yourself for the first time in your life because more often than not and pretty much chances are you carried baggage into the marriage mm-hmm. and you're carrying that same baggage with more baggage to boot afterwards. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I think even once you accept your own responsibility and you're telling yourself the truth, even if it's the very first time ever, that's just the first step. I don't think at that point you're ready for anybody else because now you still have to know who you are. Because this is, you know, this is a new reality. You are now somebody who is divorced or going through the process. And so who am I after divorce? Do I, am I still the same person I was before? Of course, physically, yes. But what are those changes done to the inner me? And how does it affect, you know, the dreams that I have for myself or what I had, you know, my, my, per, my purpose, my passion, how has that changed? Has it been altered? just rediscovering yourself. Yeah. And and that's where the beauty really comes into play. It, I mean, it literally, and I never really thought of it in this way in such a grandiose fashion, but it literally is like a Phoenix rising from the ashes. That is pretty much what we as divorcees are. If we choose to uh, go that route and, and go through that journey of, of not being uh, accusatory of everybody else and passing judgment and blame everywhere else and throwing, throwing hate and shade upon others who do, who do not have your back or so you think does not have your back. It really is about, like you said, being accountable for your own actions so that you can take that step to being good for yourself. And then when you do take that step, all the rest of that, you, you go through the, you go through the process, you go through the healing, you lick your wounds, you, you sit up straighter, you walk taller, your words become sweeter, your countenance becomes better and more peaceful. 
you start to realize a lot of that stuff and all of the negative stuff really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter in the long, uh, in the long scheme of things and in, in the long run of life because it really is about you being a, a participant of life and a productive member to society. And you can't really be that if you're going to be bitter and angry and vengeful. You just can't. Well, that's so important. And I think we rob ourselves of happiness, of joy, and of love if we don't let go of that bitterness, anger, envy, all of that, you know, stuff that we come out of the marriage with. And you, you can't be the victim. That's one thing that I can't stand is when people want to hold on to that pain and, um, you know, just be the victim. And then, look, both hands raised, guilty as charged. That's what I did for a good long while. And I have to say, it took, it took words from a friend of mine who went through divorce, too, that really made me take hold of what I was experiencing. She said it normally takes a divorce, say, 18 months, from the time the divorce is final, to the time you were pretty much healed, as to how long it's going to take for you to get from how you are raw <laughs> emotionally to how you're strong emotionally. And it really is all about just not being, not playing that game of being the victim because, Ooh, man, when people were to ask me, well, why'd you get, why'd you get divorced early in, in, in the divorce? I was like, yeah, it was because of her. I, I did everything I could. You know, she decided to quit on me. It's just that simple. She decided to quit on me. I, you know, I, 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 I was there. She decided to jet. So that's on her. That's not on me. But I had to really dig within myself and say, well, um, Cole, why did she jet? Why did she leave? And if you're so, if, you, if you're such the perfect person, perfect husband, why did she decide to go? That's not on her, my friend. That's on you. And as I said, it's like it's it's like swallowing either castor oil or dirt. <laughs> that doesn't sound tasty, no. but it's the bitter truth, you know. Yeah. When you have to look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, "Hold up, wait, what?" and then answer yourself truthfully. Yeah. And that's what it's about. You know, I mean, <laughs> you don't want to go through life lying to yourself. And I think that's unfortunately what I was seeing with a lot of divorcees. It's like, wow, you all are years into your divorce and you're lying to yourself still. That, you know, that winch there, that a-hole there. And it's like, why are you just holding on to something that is over? Why are you poisoning yourself? Poisoning yourself. It's not worth it. It's not worth living, holding some, something poisonous inside of you. Your body was not meant for that. Your mind was not meant for that. Your soul was not meant for that. Your spirit was not meant for that. You were meant to blossom and to grow and have nothing but positivity coming to you. So you, you, know, you have to drop it. And if you don't drop it, that whole bitterness and that whole poisonous uh, mentality and thought process and, and words, 
it might drop you before you know it. And that's not what you want. And that's not what anybody who loves you wants. Absolutely. Have you ever encountered scenarios? I mean, it's kind of something like what you described. One spouse is moving on, especially when you're trying to Mm co-parent, yet the other one is still bitter. And, you know, it makes it difficult to co-parent because when we have Mm -hmm. kids in the mix, you know, emotions get heightened, Mm -hmm. but not only do they become, or, you know, would they be bitter, but anytime the other spouse offers any like, you know, encouragement or just a little caring, nothing, no hinting at a future. The, you know, the other spouse just sees that, oh, the door is open. Now I can go back. You know, I I run into people who complain about that a lot. Have you ever encountered that? (laughs) Yes, I have. Yes, I have. In fact, I remember and this was when I was healed, I was well and remarried and living now the life I'm living now. So there was this guy who had a 15 year marriage with, with, his, with his wife, now soon to be ex-wife at the time. And what I did not know was I already met her in, in circles that I ran with and did not see him in the picture until this moment. So he talks about the stuff that he went through through his childhood, the stuff he went through when he went to college. And then he talked about things in his marriage and, and he talked a wonderful game. He was like, you know, I, I, I think I did all these things and man, I, I really want to be there for my wife. And I want to prove that I have, that, that I am a changed man, that I have changed my ways and that I'm going to be there for. Well, that was his thought. The soon-to-be ex-wife's thought was, (laughs) I gave you many times. I gave you many opportunities. I really don't want to have anything to do with you. I'm out. And and it was difficult because it's like, well, I'm befriending this guy here. I loosely knew his wife, and... I, and if I were to say anything bad about wife, his wife, I'd be lying to you. I mean, she was a wonderful person. Treated me with nothing but respect. Still does to this day. Treats me nothing but respect. And I'm like, wow. And, and, and seeing how his wife was, like, he didn't realize what type of gift he had in her. Like, man, that, that's just crazy. But hopefully, hopefully uh, she will, you know, take him back. Hopefully. He says that this will, he said that these, these gestures that he's going to be making, these overtures that he's making, it's going to help. Well, I hope it happens. So <clears throat> cut to about uh, mm, two months later. And the, the optimism and the hope that he had was dashed. And the sweet words he had for his wife were replaced with a whole sort of bitterness. And I mean, the tone just went 180 real fast. I mean, she—I mean, she was everything but a child of God and her own name. I mean, you can think of all the negative names that you can call a woman. He did that in front of me and in front of the friends who was counsel to him. And it was to the point where his bitterness and his poison was driving us away from him, and it just drove us away further and further and further. Now to the point where. 
I really don't know what his mentality is or what his thought process is because I, I've disconnected from it. Meanwhile, the woman who was his wife, now they have gotten divorced and she's moved on to another city. Actually, she moved on to two other cities and she's living her best life. And I couldn't be happier for her because in her life, and she never badmouthed him once, never. Did not say anything out of turn or off color about him at all. In fact, she actually said when she knew that all of this was going down, she actually, she actually said to me, I'm so sorry you had to hear all of this. I am so sorry. You know, and she gave me the hint of why I think it happened. She said, you know, he would be so up and down. You know, there'd be some times that he'd be, he would be exactly what I want. And then there's other times he would be the antithesis of what I'd want. And so the council and myself saw that in him, just in, just in how we dealt with him. And I'm like, oh, okay, so this all makes sense. And I hate to see the fact that they had to split, but it was to the point where she was done. She, she, she said, it's over. It's done. I've washed my hands of you. I'm gone. And he couldn't take it. He couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't bear it. And he was just lashing out and being bitter about her. And it, it broke my heart when I heard that, because I'm like, man, your journey is going to be really long and really arduous. Yeah, it makes it really difficult. It's actually really sad hearing things like this. Mm -hmm. um, I was telling you a little earlier that we had a conversation about how divorce can actually change people's perspective on life and on, you know, a, the possibility of getting married and even just relationships in general. But it sounds like, you know, it's been a good thing for you. It really has. It really has. And, and, Unfortunately, it took that sort of incident there for me to say, you know something, I think I may have to chronicle all this because I really don't have those things to say anymore about my ex-wife. I, I, I can't remember when I, when I uttered an expletive about her or toward her or about her. I, I can't remember when I did it last. And, and that was, and that, that's been years ago I've said that. You know, so I'm like, okay, well, Maybe I, maybe there's a void here that I, I guess I'm not seeing that I guess I can fill because, man, I don't really have any ill will to a Max wife. I, I really don't. It, it, I mean, I want her to be happy. I, actually, I want her to be happier than she ever was with me. I, I hope that, you know, she has the family that she wanted and too bad it couldn't be with me, but it, so be it. It just happened, happened, to, happened to break that way. You know, I hope everything is good with her family and I hope everything's good with her job and her career and her life and her house. You know, I hope, I hope that God is giving her what she really desires. I hope she, I hope she's receiving the desires of her heart. That is really how I feel. And that's how I felt then. And I feel it even stronger now, but I was noticing, man, there's a lot of men and there's even a lot of women too, who do not feel the same way. Which is really sad. Yeah. It is very it, sad. Mm -hmm. It is because it's holding them back. It is holding them back from the joy that they're supposed to get from the riches they're supposed to receive. And I'm not just necessarily talking about financial, just, just 
this is this is a joy here. The fact that I'm talking to you about this and that I'm not breaking down walls or punching holes through walls or or or, or being belligerent, but I can calmly and 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 expertly say to you, yeah, this is an experience that I have, but you know what? I'm better for it. And I hope my ex-wife is better for it. And I think she is. And if so, then even though the marriage ended and that's a bad thing, well, maybe it was well worth it that we, <laughs> we crossed paths and learned, okay, well, we could probably be a better partner for somebody else. This is a joy that I can actually say this to you and, and not be awash with bitterness or anger or vengeance because, ooh, that's so, it's so draining. <laughs> it really is. It's, it's so draining. And, and I, 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 my life is too precious to just waste being vengeful. It, it really is. And you know what? Not only is it too precious, but you don't have a lot of time. We don't know how much time has been allocated to us, you know, to us on earth. So why waste it on something that you can't change when you can, if you just change your own perspective, then the whole paradigm shifts. Mm -hmm. And it shifts, it shifts hard in your favor too. And yes, that's the thing. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, and, and, this may sound like it's fairy tale, but it's true. Food tastes better. The air smells fresher. Um, my sleep is better. My thought process is better. The success I've had, <laughs> I did. I would not have been able to achieve it back then, but I'm achieving it now. I mean, all of these things are a direct correlation of result from saying, you know something, you need to be a better steward of your own life. And if you're going to take that, if you're going to take that investment and be a better steward of your own life, then the things you've learned about the past will become lessons, not losses. And yeah, and you said it, I don't have the time to pile up losses, but I certainly, certainly do. I certainly do have the, mental makeup, the emotional makeup, the psychological makeup to turn the losses I've had in my past into lessons so that I could be better for myself, for my wife, for the friends I have, and for whomever comes in contact with me. Because ultimately that is what we're supposed to do. Yeah, I really can't come back from that because you just really, ever so eloquently just explained what it is divorce is like it's so difficult there's no sugar coating it there's no beating around the bush but it does not have to be the end of the world our time is wrap is running out real fast but what one thing would you like to put out there before we end for today i will say it i guess in this vein for those of you who are thinking about going through divorce, the oft, uh, the, the oft advice I always give people is don't do it. And the reason why I say don't do it is because you need to exhaust every single avenue that is available to you. You need to, you need to make sure that there is 
no stone unturned as to if you can return back to this person because if you decide to do it early enough yeah you may avoid a lot of the pitfalls that you do if you didn't but you're going to have the yo-yo effect of well what, what if that decision was wrong okay i want you back no 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 do everything possible to exhaust every avenue for reconciliation in your marriage and if you you if you have done that and it you you come to that decision of well no no, I need to I need to separate because well, my life depends on it, my health depends on it, and that happens. Then realize that you're about to experience death on earth. You're going to go through an experience where you're going to grieve, and you may need to grieve a long while before you get to the point where you could get your head above water. But know that you're about to grieve something that is painful because Having someone say, I don't love you anymore is one of the most painful experiences you'll ever undergo in life, period. And if you are undergoing that, I have that perfect resource for you. I have, a, I have an audio book. It's free. It's called How to Heal from Heartbreak. And the thing is, why you can't get past or get over the, the hill that is divorce or heartbreak it's because your heart is hard. You don't want to be hurt. You don't want to trust. You don't want to expose yourself to something that makes you feel horrible because you don't want to be hurt again. And that's understandable. But the thing is, in life, you got to be vulnerable. So that free audio book, that's on getoverdivorce.org. You listen to it. And it is, the, it is the tools that you will have to get you ready to heal and to be productive and to find love again and to find love with yourself before anything and anyone else again, because that is what you're supposed to do. And hopefully what you understand is that if you are a divorcee, your biggest, your biggest charge to yourself is to love who you are. And from that, everything else, blossoms. You know what I like to say, Cole, and this is what I learned for myself. And it's just my motto. Self-love is the precursor to real love. Mm -hmm. That's a nice one. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Project Real Love podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed myself. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Project Real Love Podcast. If you like what you heard, hit subscribe and share it with a friend. Connect with the host on social media at Pink Girl Teaches. Until next time, remember, this is about real love between real people.